Welcome to the Below the Line podcast. My name is David Duggan, and I'm one of the members of a team made up of experts from the worlds of business, elite sport, adventure, and health and well-being. We are coaches, mentors, and advisors to some of the world's biggest companies and organizations, as well as smaller businesses, entrepreneurs, and people looking to make their mark in the world. Our guiding mantra at Below the Line is live well, perform better. What does that mean, you might ask? Good question. Maybe the easiest way to describe it from our perspective is finding the formula that works for you when it comes to things like looking after your physical and mental health, running your business, developing your career, leading your people, or simply being able to show up as brilliantly as possible into your own life, both for yourself and those around you. That's why each week I sit down with a member of our team or an invited guest to discuss a performance-related topic connected to their area of expertise. We keep it short and sweet so that you can extract all the good stuff and get on with the rest of your day and hopefully put some of our knowledge, experience and expertise into play for yourself. This week I'm delighted to be joined by Jasper Walsh, founder and director of Trips Tank, a coaching business focused on improving human potential, performance and connection through the use of Jasper's own self-designed and created Trips coaching framework. Always passionate, always knowledgeable and brimming with ideas, this was a conversation that gave me lots of food for thought about the power of our minds, living to our values and working with our emotions, not only so that we can perform better in our work, but also so that we can arrive into our lives happier, more connected and grounded. You can subscribe at www.belowtheline.ie where you can stay up to date with our podcast as well as exclusive online events and sessions, including our Press Pause coaching community and our next story coaching program, kicking off in January 2022. This episode brings the curtain down on what has been season one of the Below the Line podcast. On behalf of myself and my colleagues, thank you very much for listening and we'll be back in spring 2022 with more episodes. Until then, take care and thanks for listening. Why don't I just kick off then with the first question, um, which is, why do you do what you do? Uh, well, the simple answer is because I absolutely love it. Uh, why do I love it? I suppose this is the follow-on answer. Um, and I think fundamentally, uh, it allows me to explore my own potential myself. So uh, all the, all of the research that I do, all of the podcasts I listen to, all of the books I read, are for my own gain and benefit and the development of my own self-awareness and my own potential. Um, and it allows me to learn all about myself and then kind of translate that into something for others. So the coaching conversations that I have only evolve and improve as a skill as a coach the more that I focus on my own development myself. And that's fundamentally why I love what I do because it's there's a a duality to it or a non-duality if you really want to look at it that way where we're actually we're all one and the same and the more that I can do my bit the more others gain from it our strap line in, in below the line is this idea of live well perform better but what what's your interpretation of that or what does that mean to you uh well I've seen the line before and it reminds me of the all black saying good people make good all blacks and I kind of uh 
adapted that and nicked it and uh, shoehorned it into something for a marketing line a few years ago. And that was um, great people make great professionals. And really what I mean by that is <clears throat> with the coaching work that we do and Below the Line does, it, we're really trying to help the person better connect with themselves first and foremost. And if they're able to do that, they're going to be better leaders. They're going to be better performers in the work they do. They're going to have more engagement in what they're doing and how they're doing it and how they can improve it. So to me, yeah, live well, perform better. A, a lot is around that. And it's also an answer to your first question around why I love what I do. It's well, how can I be at or near my best more often than not? Um, well, if I'm able to focus on with that growth mindset towards that well then it's a great place to be i think it also to me brings up the idea of what habits am i consciously aware of that i'm focusing on as paul gleason says the dna the daily non-negotiables um i think for me they're critically important too um and i also adding on to i suppose bridging the first question and the second question dave <clears throat> Like if we live and work in alignment with our strengths and our values uh, and bring out the best of our personality and what we do, um, then not only does performance improve, but so does experience. Um, and to me, that's critically important. What does that mean? Experience improves. Just expand on that for me. That's interesting. Well, I think well, for, probably for years after I went to college and started working, in financial services industry, I was kind of just going through the motions. I was living quite non-consciously. Um, and I think a lot of people do uh, without much intention or awareness as to what is going on for them. Um, what, one of my old mentors used to, he, he was quite polarizing in his way of wording it. And he used to call it, it you know, it's, it's people, the, the, the mindset of the masses is, is ignorant. And he didn't mean that in a condescending way or a derogatory way. He meant ignorance as in lack of awareness. Um, so a heightened experience for me is a better connected one where there's a full appreciation and understanding of being in the moment in, in, with presence of, of knowing how we feel and, and what's coming up for us in that moment. And I think all of that to me leads to far greater performance. But I think performance is kind of the byproduct of it. Now, when you're going into your big four and you're pitching your coaching business, you, you talk in their language, but ultimately the people who get the benefits of coaching most know that it's, it's always a twin track approach around performance and, and around, I don't mean well-being as in the wellness industry i mean well-being is in our own mindset our our, our presence and our our experience our day-to-day -day experience yeah, yeah um another question then just based on that um because like we had a conversation with paul gleason here a while ago about what does well-being mean um which is very interesting but what does it mean to you um god i'm probably not the right person to ask uh i don't really yeah, I'll give you what it means to me, but not not as an industry term, if you know what I mean. To, to me, it's just about physical, mental and spiritual uh, health. Um, and and for me in that space, I mean, I'm, I, I love my exercise. It's an important part of my day. Uh, it's also an important part of my 
my 90 day cycle and my annual cycle, I, I like to have some targets in that space. Um, I don't necessarily like to have targets in other areas of my life to do with my mindset, my own personal growth or my own relationships. But when it comes to exercise, I, I do. Um, but I suppose looks and where I'm at that age, I better not put you in that bracket. I don't know what age you are. I, I'm at that age where, unfortunately, we've lost a few friends recently in recent years. We've lost relatives, people our age, uh, unwell. So wellness isn't just about physical health. It's about it's about having a sense of purpose in what we're doing and a sense of connection to those around us as we're pursuing that purpose. Just tell me about some of the, you know, the techniques or the practices that you engage in around your well-being or helping you, um, you know, have that heightened experience, if you like, of, of everyday life. Yeah, well, I think the one that stands out for me that that really works for me is how I frame my day and prime my day. Uh, so I have a certain practice in the morning or, or routine maybe that I go through Um now it changes and I don't necessarily do it the same way every day, but, but typically it involves some form of breath work um, some form of meditation. Uh, exercise can happen in the morning. It can happen later. It, it just depends on the day of the week. But, but the big thing for me, the one that I pointed to at the very start when, when you asked me the question is, well, how am I framing my day? And what do I mean by that? Well, I do it the same time every day. So, you know, typically it's in the shower and excuse the mental image, but there you go. You have it now. You can't get rid of it. Uh, <laughs> and it's almost like, well, for anyone listening. Yep. <laughs> what does my day look like? Uh, okay. Well, today I've got this uh, podcast interview with Dave. I've got a call with Denise after this. Following on from that, I'm into town uh, for a face-to-face meeting over lunch. Okay. Now, how am I going to show up? Well, my values of growth respect, uh, camaraderie, and positivity. They're, they're the four things that I frame it around. Go, right, well, how am I going to show up for Dave? Well, how, how will I be at my best on that, in that moment? Uh, not just for you, but for myself. And how do I show up in the way I want to? So I think and do a mental rehearsal of the day that's ahead. If, say, for example, I have a particularly challenging meeting that I'm expecting, or a conversation that's going to be a difficult conversation to have, I'll do, I'll do the mental rehearsal of well, what, where might the challenge present itself and how might I meet it in a way that's right for me. And just that little mini mental rehearsal of the day in alignment with who I am and how I choose to be on the back of a lot of reflection and, and introspective work in the past. So it, the heavy lifting has been done. And then I'm just considering, well, well how, will, how will I manage this day and how will I be at my best? That typically, when I do it consistently, helps me have a much better experience, like I mentioned earlier on, um, and leads to better results. How important is it for you that you kind of walk your talk? Well, it's critically important for me um, because there have been times when I haven't, I'll be totally honest, or haven't felt like I have been for a period. And uh, it comes back to values, Dave. So, uh, you know, one of my primary values is respect. Um, there was a period where I think um, I was probably, there were a couple of lifestyle habits that weren't in alignment with, with that self-respect. And I didn't have self-respect as part of my definition of what respect meant to me. 
And it was only after a period of just not really being happy with how I was showing up that I explored what that value meant to me a bit more. And I went, ah, I'm committing to something. I'm saying I'm committing to something, but I'm not seeing the commitment through. So I'm not honoring that commitment for myself. Therefore, that erodes my self-respect, that erodes my self-belief, self-worth. So for me, I wasn't showing up, walking the talk, doing that. Now, when I corrected it and amended it, my uh, sense of self grew and deepened enormously to the point where, to answer your question, it's absolutely essential for me to show up in that way. now, it's really important for others as well um, that I show up in that way. But to be perfectly honest, it's, it's, that's not the driver for me. It's not the, oh, God, imagine someone, you know, thought that I wasn't showing up the way that I, I talk about myself. You know, that would be shameful or whatever else. No, it's more, I, I don't want to look myself in the mirror if I'm not showing up that way. Hey, listen, I, we have good days and bad days and there are periods where I have to check in with myself after a while and go eh, hold on now have you really been leaning into it or have you just been ticking boxes have you been doing what you know you can say you do or has your heart and soul been in it and yeah listen they're difficult um, conversations to have with yourself and typically I, I do them in the form of journaling there's another habit for you that is becoming more and more essential for me is pen and paper um, and just getting my thoughts and feelings out of my head but we can come back to that but yeah there, if 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 I don't feel like I am I, I can get that sense of feeling like a fraud and a hypocrite um, and it doesn't sit well and I can't let it uh, fester for very long without actually doing something to correct it it comes back to it comes back to you know why I decided to become or to get into coaching in the first place. It was when I was working in a, in a uh, wealth management firm in, in London and I was doing fairly well and Edie was just born, <clears throat> but I wasn't happy in the job itself. Um, I wasn't inspired by the people around me. Uh, I wasn't, uh, I, I, was, I really enjoyed the clients that I worked with uh, and the people I worked with were lovely people. I just didn't, I didn't see, oh God, yeah, I can't, I, that's my trajectory. That's where I'm going. I just didn't get that sense. Um, so I had reached out to a lady who I ended up being coached by, but I'd reached out to her 12 months before Edie was born. And she had sent me, you know, a couple of questions and an insight intake questionnaire, you know, the kind of things that we send our clients now just to get a sense of where they're at. And one of the questions was like, you know, what are you most proud about having accomplished in the past 12 months? And I was like, I'm not proud about having accomplished anything in the last 12 months. Like I didn't have that sense of awareness around things. It's like, where do I want to be in five years? Or how do I want to be in five years time that's different to now? Or something along those lines. I was like, I can't answer any of that. So I literally, you know, filed it away. And then after Edie was born, and I think I've shared this with you before, and I was kind of holding her in one of these seems like a totally cliched moment of going you can be anything you choose to be I will support you and whoever you choose to become and literally remember saying it out loud God, I wonder who you'll be and how you'll be and I was just like really in just this mesmerized kind of new sad dad moment and then it just rang hollow just like oh 
God, I'm not doing that. And I was thinking of my own dad and I was thinking, be a, be a leader, not a follower was what he always said to me as a kid. I was like, I didn't really do that, did I? Like, I'm not even leading myself here. I'm afraid to take a step out of the comfort zone I'm in because I don't know what it looks or feels like. And now here I am trying to encourage Edie to do exactly what I'm afraid to do and not doing. So that sense of um, discomfort was a, a gateway to change for me that now when I feel that sense, I, I, I've, I've learned to embrace it more quickly because I know that the space behind that discomfort is really restorative and fulfilling. So I try to get there much sooner with varying degrees of success at times. <laughs> but uh, all in all, I think I've got a lot better at that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what I'm, what I'm hearing from you is, which I come across an awful lot, in, and you do in the work we do, is people are getting a call to adventure, it might be, or a call to something else. Um, and it's about answering that call. And you're right. Um, answering that can be a messy, difficult challenging process but all the practices that you engage in all that stuff stems from an answering of an inner call it seems to me or just a, an awareness of there's something else here and i'm willing to pick up the rock and, and look under it yeah no absolutely and actually like neuroscientifically i now understand what that is as well and um, that that is neuroplasticity that is how the adult brain changes so i think the more um educated I become on both the psychology and the neuroscience as well as the the neuropharmacology and the biochemistry that goes with it the easier it is to go, oh, well there it is recognize it right take that step so it becomes less of an emotively resistant blockage and more of a uh, more of an easier thing to step into and on top of that layered on top of that is a, a lot of the work that I've done over the last six months would have been more um mind body focused so actually understanding where those emotions can get trapped and what that can mean from a past trauma so to speak and where energy can get blocked and where emotions can get blocked and how we can go about releasing them so that we can move forward with greater ease so there's a very scientific approach and then there's more of a spiritual approach and i love exploring both and bringing them back and then kind of going to the people i work with well look here i've kind of gone down this path and you don't need to go down it but here are some of the highlights and have a look and see uh what you think um and then we can point in the direction of some of them if you'd like to explore them a bit more you mentioned it already and, and about something you want to come back to but but journaling it sounds seems to me that that's maybe a, a, a space where those two worlds kind of converge or mm. would you agree yeah yeah well so i mean yesterday I literally went for the day with uh, pen and paper uh, down to the library and into various coffee shops. I just kept on freshening up once I felt like the, the ink was kind of gone. I just moved venue and I go and I, I left the phone off and left the laptop at home. Um, apart from one brief period in the middle of the day where I switched back on to do the have a meeting. And then, yeah, a, a lot of that was just 
okay, this has been percolating away for a while or this has been niggling away. What is it that I'm actually looking for? And if I just get that question down first, how, what would I like to clarify? I'd love to clarify this. And then it's okay, well, what, what have I been resisting around that? What, where are my feelings in relation to it? And I kind of just coach myself with pen and paper, but without any expectation of getting the clarity. Um, I don't know why I pulled out the two journals to show you. It's not like you're going to start reading them, but uh, it was, yeah. I mean, I, and I use the tools that I encourage my clients to use. I, yesterday, I used the Wheel of Life. Um, I, I went back over some value questions. I used the vision exercise of an ideal day that I get my clients to use. Um, and I just needed that day for myself of pausing and reflecting and not just reflecting, but what's the action plan on the back of this? And I think probably where, um, where sometimes I tend to miss misplace my priorities is I can be very clear on what I want to do on a day-to-day -day basis and I can be very clear on what the long-term ambitions and intentions are but sometimes the steps in between aren't quite clear enough so I could I could work really well on a project in the short term and then as it nears I'll be like god am I just crawling over the line instead of kind of going right well now as it nears for the last 20 percent go right let's get excited about the next bit what, what does the next bit look like? So as I close this bit out, I'm energized moving into the, the next bit rather than, God, I can't wait to get this thing done. It's so like we rebranded re re the business this time last year and it like drained the life out of me. Uh, just the, the level of detail around it. Whereas, you know, it didn't need to. And I suppose that was a big learning for me with that. Touching on something you mentioned um, much earlier, but you mentioned a 90-day cycle or a year cycle. Would that... It, that idea or that approach does that feed into um what you were just discussing there yeah big time so uh like you know i, I kind of i've got the corporate work on one side of the business and then i do a lot of b2c work and um just directly with consumers themselves and clients themselves um and i because of covid we kind of developed an online side to that so we've got some online courses and then if they come through those courses and go through the trips framework online with coaching support and, and group and lots of accountability it's really kind of a people love it it's a kind of a quite a thriving and buzzing experience for them they they might then come into the community um if they're if they're right fit and within that community we work in 90 day cycles towards that ideal future that we've drafted together in in the courses that they would have completed um, and i do that as well in with i'm part of a coaching community that i subscribe to as a participant and, and we work in that way in that uh, group too um, and i think with the help of uh, you guys in in uh, below the line and zanya and other guests that you've had um i've i i became aware last year of how some of those 90 say cycles for me were very metric driven and actually the, the need to reduce the goals sometimes and just set an intention is something that now I'm a lot more in tune with. Uh, <clears throat> but those 90 day cycles, I mean, there is quite a bit of uh, research behind them as to why they work. Uh, longer term goals and ambitions can be useful to create uh, clarity for the mind to overcome limiting beliefs and everything else in terms of how we want to move ourselves forward. Uh, but the proximity of 90 days allows us, 
work towards decent chunks and then we do break it down into month goals or at least I do uh, for myself you know what do I want to achieve in the next month and and then I have a weekly plan as well but it's not always followed meticulously and doesn't cascade down in an exact way each and every time it can be it can be reasonably loose and flexible and just shifting gears slightly then just to you know what you're seeing in terms of you mentioned you're working with individual clients and corporate clients but in terms of the, the world of work right now and the people you're working with what do you think are the biggest challenges on people's desks right now? Well, I think in the bigger corporates, it's definitely the the um, what the media calls the great resignation. Um, there are a lot of uh, people resigning, um, I suppose, especially that kind of late 20, early 30 age group who feel that they've um, missed out on something over the past uh, couple of years. And that's causing a a reasonable amount of stress and strain and pressure on under-resourced, newly qualified staff and more experienced partners and directors. Um, That's a real challenge. And that's been since kind of September, whether that's been particularly pointed. Um, I think now the way things are unfolding at the moment and uh, with with COVID, I think there's going to, those breaks are going to be put on again with people heading away. So I anticipate um, there might be a sense of resentment with the cohort who haven't left, who wants to leave. Uh, And I imagine it's going to be quite challenging for them and the people they're working with to get their head in the right place. Um, Now, listen, there's also, I mean, the undercurrent of... um, mental health challenges are are consistent across the board and have been for a while and there's a couple of uh, professors in Columbia University who are um I've been pointed to um by a, a kind of a peer who supports me in certain things and um they're t- they they've doing some research where the the peak in challenges around mental health typically come 18 months after a normalization period from a pandemic or or other comparables that they've used in their research. Uh, and I would have thought maybe our normalization might have been over the summer, but now it looks like maybe that was a, um, a bit, speaking a bit too soon. So I don't know it, what what the next few months holds. Uh, I, I don't try to overthink it, to be honest. Um, but in terms of what's coming up for clients, it's definitely uh, under-resourced in the larger corporates, in the smaller businesses that we work with resourcing isn't as much of a challenge if there's a sense real sense of opportunity and purpose in what the business is doing um but understanding and allowing people maintain a culture of high performance whilst not being necessarily around each other on a day-to-day basis that's a particular challenge so like how how do we not let the culture slip and the, the level of engagement and the sense of collaboration, connectedness slip if we're not around each other on an ongoing basis? That's a particular challenge too. And then last question, um, for anyone who's listening to this and thinking about maybe that voice of change kind of coming up in them, whatever it might be, health, lifestyle, career, what's your advice to anyone who's thinking about that and where's their first place to, where's their first port of call to start acting on that for you? Uh, well, undoubtedly, the first port of call is to 
is, is, is to bring some structure to it because otherwise things just go around in your head and you get absolutely nowhere. So structure for me is a, a framework that works for others and is proven to work. And second of all, support from people who are qualified to help you understand where A is now. So what's my current reality and what's B? What's the desired reality? The steps in between will become a lot more clear when you know what A looks like and the reasons for it. And you know what B looks like and why that's important. And then the framework will take care of it and the process will take care of it. But, you know, Dan Sullivan wrote a great book recently called Who Not How. And, and to me, that's instead of trying to figure it all out, well, A, in your head, which is never going to happen. But even B, if you get things out of your head and you start plotting them out, you're going to take way longer than you would if you just got to work with someone who knows exactly how to support people in that position. Someone like your good self, Dave. Or indeed yourself, Jasper. <laughs> Um, that was fantastic and um, thanks very very much for taking the time you're someone I have huge amount of time and respect for and your knowledge and your breadth of knowledge is just fantastic so thanks very much for taking a bit of time out of your day to talk to me absolutely delighted to talk to you Dave anytime thank you